Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back to our study of Proverbs, and we are still in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And so let's, let's go ahead and read our text. Hear my son and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. All right. Well, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And remember, uh, young people, pray with me. Um, pray that the Lord will help you to... Because you see, here's something I want you to see. We are in constant need of the Lord's help. We are in constant need of His grace. Uh, not just you, me, all of us. And so we pray. And let's pray. Father, I thank you for this great opportunity, Lord, even though by, by video to be with the young people who are listening. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them and their parents, that they would know you they would cultivate a deeper relationship with you, that they would be trophies of your grace, that they would stand before you on that great day and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And Father, help me now to teach, to make clear these great truths, and help those who will listen to not just listen, but hear and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, in the last uh, lesson, what did we do? We looked at the admonitions. And what were they? Hear, which means more than listen, means to obey. Accept. Take it as your own. Take God's wisdom as your own. Um, go through it and go through it and go through it. Internalize it. Make it a part of you. And then also the admonition, take hold, seize it, grasp it, don't let go of it. And I can tell you that uh, when you're in calm waters, it's very easy to hold on to the float. But when the waves get really, really large, it's very difficult to hang on. Also, you need to understand something. There is someone in this world who is constantly trying to take wisdom from you to separate you from the wisdom of God's word. So you must hold on. And then it says, not only take hold, do not let go. Do not let go. It's easy to start, it's difficult to finish. It's easy to begin with all kinds of zeal, but to persevere unto the end, that is extremely difficult. And so remember, not just take hold, but do not let go. And then the word guard, the admonition to guard. 
And, and, and I'd like to add here what I said before is that once you begin to study Proverbs, uh, Psalms, the law, and especially the gospel, it's not just something you do because you have to. It's something you do because it's delightful to you to know the salvation that comes from God, to know the way it was achieved through our blessed Savior, to understand his will to live in light of the cross becomes a delight. So it's not just, oh, I've got to study, but oh, I want to study. It's not just I need to internalize this, but oh, how I long to internalize it more, that it become a part of me, that I reflect him. Now, from there, we went on to talk about the responsibility of parents, and that was to direct you through teaching. And then the other is that they are to lead by an example. But now we're going to look at the focus of the responsibility of children. Yes, your parents have a great responsibility, but the more they take their responsibility seriously, the greater your responsibility to respond correctly. Now, so I, I just want to look for a moment. Look back at chapter four, verse 10. Hear my son and accept my sayings. Verse 13, take hold of instruction. Do not let go. So here we have a father who is giving teaching to his child. He's giving instruction to his child. He's admonishing his child. Now, because this child has a father like this, this child has great responsibility to do what? Well, the things that we found in in verse 10 and verse 13 to hear, accept, take hold, do not let go and to guard. But I want to look at another passage, uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse one. You say we've looked at that. Yes, we've looked at it. We're going to look at it again and we'll look at it a lot more during this study. Ephesians chapter six, verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Another way we could say that is children obey your parents in the Lord because this is God's will. Now, again, whenever I say something like that, um, I've had young people, not always, but many times say to me, well, what if my dad asked me to rob a bank? And I always go, well, when was the last time your dad asked you to rob a bank? See, we're always making extreme excuses in order to avoid obedience to simple commands. Now, I do want to say something here that's very, very important. When it says that children are to obey their parents and to, they're to honor adults, that's in the context of a normal relationship. There are parents that demand that their children do very wrong things, and they're not to do those things. Uh, things that are against scripture, things that are against the law, things that are against nature, things that are harmful. And if you're in that kind of situation, you need to you need to talk to somebody. So when the Bible says obey your parents, it's talking about the context of a normal family with parents who aren't perfect, but who are wise and do love their children. Now, in this context in in Proverbs four, we've already said that we have parents who are seeking to instruct their children in wisdom and to be examples for them. That means when you're in a family like that, 
that's a great blessing, but it's also a great responsibility. How many children live in homes where there is no Bible, there is no Christ, there is no teaching? And if you're a young person who maybe your father and mother teach you the Bible, or maybe it's just your father, or maybe you're just alone with your mother, but she's trying to teach you the Word of God, and she's trying to order her home according to Scripture, then you have a great responsibility, a great stewardship, more so than someone who is born in a family where there is no Bible. I want you to look for just a moment to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 47 through 48. It says, And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of flogging will receive but few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. Now, this is not approving slavery, nor is it approving floggings, <laughs> beatings. The point is simply this. If God in his providence has put you in a family that is a loving family, not perfect, with loving parents who want the best for you, who try to teach you the word and exemplify the word, who take you to, to church where also the pastors are, are godly men and they're seeking the best for you, then you have a responsibility to respond to that, to seek to obey the scriptures and to honor the Lord. And this is very, very important. As a matter of fact, uh, just to share on a personal note, this is one of the things that, this is one of the verses that has been used, that God has used to direct and mold my life. You know, young people, I, I travel all around the world, Asia, Africa, just about everywhere, South America, North America, Europe, Eurasia, and um, I realized something, that uh, I have been given much. For example, uh, I was able to get a grade school education, a high school education, a, uh, a college education, a, a master's degree. Um, and there are many men who are far more worthy than I am, who are in the ministry around the world, who weren't even able to get a grade school education. And then there are my library, for example, all the great and wonderful books I have, commentaries and Bible dictionaries and Greek works and Hebrew works. And, and then I know of men who have almost nothing. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why Heart Cry exists. It's to help those men. And then also I realize, you know, I'm surrounded uh, in my life. I'm surrounded by godly men, godly women, people who encourage me, uh, my local church, uh, all the brothers and sisters that are there, the pastors, the elders, the deacons. And I realize how fortunate I am when there are Christians um, all alone in a cell somewhere in a prison for the sake of Christ with no fellowship, no Bible. And 
No, that doesn't manipulate me. It doesn't make me feel guilty. But it does uh, emphasize and bring to the forefront my responsibility. I have been given much. And so I should seek to do much with my life. Um, this is what I would always tell my boys as they were growing up, that um, if we're wealthy, and, and we are compared to 90% of the world, if you, really, even if you live in a modest home and a modest car and you don't go on many vacations and your clothes come from Walmart, you're still very wealthy compared to the rest of the world. Now, I would always say, if we're wealthy, it's to help those who are not. If we have a good mind and received a good education, it's to help those who maybe do not. If we're strong, it's to help the weak. If we have Bibles, it's to help those who have none. You see, it just goes on and on, on and on. To whom much is given, much is required. And young person, let me stop here for just a moment. Um, maybe when you hear me say that, you're thinking, um, well, he's just talking about spiritual things. No, I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about everything. Um, do you know there are children who work 12, 14 hours a day just to eat? You probably don't have to. So what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with the resources? Do, do, you, do you go to school or are you homeschooled? That's privilege, both of those. Are you taking advantage of that privilege? Are you being a good steward of that gift that's been given to you? You have a body, do you take care of it? so that it'll last as long as possible, so that you can serve God as much as possible. Do you? You have books, you have so many opportunities, you have free time. What are you doing with your free time? So when, think about it. Um, diversion, even entertainment to some degree and in some ways, is, is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing to relax. It's not a bad thing to enjoy and laugh and all sorts of things. But never forget you have a stewardship. Even the time that has been given to you is a stewardship. So let's look at it just for a moment. I know we're kind of getting off the path, but I'm here because I want to help you just like I tried to help my children. All right, let's just look for a moment. Are you growing spiritually? That's the number one thing. Are you growing spiritually? You say, yes. Okay, what are you doing? Are you studying the Bible? Are you praying? Are you talking to your parents about the Lord? Are you participating in a biblical church? What are you doing to grow spiritually? Now, let me ask you a question. Are you growing intellectually? Really? I mean that. That's important. God gave you a brain. What are you doing with it? Do you realize if you get to study math, which wasn't really the favorite theme in my home <laughs> with my children. But do you realize if you get to study math, that's a privilege? And do you realize that you can study math to the glory of God? History is a privilege. Language is a privilege. Reading good books is a privilege. 
Are you taking advantage of that privilege? God one day is going to say, I gave you a good mind. What did you do with it? Do you see that? I gave you a good mind. Did you develop it? Everything we've been given has been given to us for the glory of God that we might develop it and use it for him. Now, let's look at your body for a moment. Are you using your body for the glory of God? And that means more than just you're trying not to participate in sin. Are you, I know this is going to sound crazy, young person, but listen to me. It matters, especially when you get older. Are you eating for the benefit of your body? Or are you just eating junk? Are you um, exercising? Are you presenting your body in a way that demonstrates modesty, beauty, and nobility? Are you presenting your body in a way that demonstrates sensuality and extravagance, calling attention to yourself? And so what I want you to see Maybe you should go to the dictionary and look up the word stewardship. Look up the word responsibility because you and I have been given many, many great gifts. What are we doing with our gifts? Now, another thing, young person, you might look at someone else, some other young person and say, well, they were given more gifts than me. That may be true. I study and know a lot of men that are far more gifted and have so many more gifts than I do. But see, that's not the point. I'm not going to be judged for another person's gifts. I'm going to be judged for my own. I'm also going to not be jealous of other people because they have gifts far greater than my own. I'm going to glory in the fact that God gave other men and women special gifts for his purpose and his purpose is good and he gave me my gifts for his purpose and his purpose is good. Now let's read this again. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes but the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. What did you do with your mind? What did you do with your soul? How did you cultivate it? What did you do with your body? What did you do with your time? What did you do with your money? And even this, how did you take care of your clothes? You see, how did you clean your room? A steward. We are stewards of God. Now, here's something else I want to say about your own responsibility. I've talked to your parents about this, but now I'm going to talk to you. I've so often I've told fathers and mothers, if you're not going to study the Bible for yourself, study the Bible for your children. That you want to grow in scripture so that you can be a blessing to your children. Well, guess what, young people? You're not always going to be young people. One day you're probably going to get married. One day you're probably going to have children. What you do right now, what you do right now, will have an impact on your ability to raise your children to the glory of God. Did you know that? Yes. Now, I want to show you something here in Judges chapter 2. Verse 10, Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It's very, very sad commentary. 
It says, all that generation, Joshua's generation, also were gathered to their fathers. That meant they died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. You see, every generation of godly people is responsible for handing down God's truth to the next generation. You see, and this is so very important. And don't don't say to yourself, well, you know, I'm 11 probably won't get married until I'm 25. So I've got a lot of time. No, what you do right now at 11 will impact what kind of father you're going to be. It really will. And why wait? Instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm married now and we're going to have a child in nine months. So I need to start studying the Bible. Wouldn't it better be better to already have studied the Bible 15 years? To have already cultivated Christ likeness and godliness? As a matter of fact, you shouldn't even be married unless you've been seeking to conform yourself to the image of Christ. So you see, we have a great stewardship. Now, I just want to look really quick at the promises um, in verse 10 and verse 12, and I want to explain them. We've had a lot of admonitions, a lot of commands about what to do. Now let's look at the promises. Uh, verse 10 says, hear my son and accept my sayings and the years of your life will be many. Verse 12, when you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Now, what is he saying? Well, let's look at what he's saying and what he's not saying. First of all, he's saying that your life will not be cut short because of rebellion or foolishness. Yes, think about it. There are very godly people. I can think of several that died young, but they died young in the will of God. And it was not because of some foolish act or from some sinful deed that they committed. See, remember what I said, the book of Proverbs, the promises are kind of like observations in which, for example, imagine two old men sitting on a bench for 150 years and just watching people. And they see that those who never learn wisdom, well, as a general rule, it doesn't go well for them. Those who do learn wisdom and fear the Lord, as a general rule, they live longer and prosper more. And that's what it's saying here. It says, look, there are things you can do to cut your life short. Foolish things, sinful things. And I even warn my children, especially my two boys, you can do things that aren't necessarily sinful, but are not wise and get yourself in a lot of danger. Another thing it's saying your progress in life will not be impeded because of rebellion or foolishness. You know, I've talked to people who employ other people and before they employ them, they interview them, they listen to them, they watch them, they see their credentials and they see this person is, is, is not wise or this person is immoral. We're not going to hire them. And so what I want you to see is that wisdom, godliness, nobility, it, it allows your life, at least it cultivates the ground so that your life can prosper. But foolishness and wickedness and immorality, it's like pouring poison or salt on the land and nothing can grow out of it. 
Now, I've written here, he is not saying that wisdom will automatically grant you a long life or apparent progress, but as a general rule, those who submit to wisdom are far more, far more likely than the fool to live more extended and prosperous lives. Now, most importantly, wisdom enables us to recognize God's will and to walk in it. And that is what we need. That should be the goal of life. And everything else will take care of itself. When I'm teaching someone to shoot a longbow, um, you know, I, I can't put them in every kind of situation in which they're going to shoot a longbow. Because sometimes, especially if you're hunting, you'll be standing up, you'll be in a tree, you'll be on your knees. I've even shot a longbow laying on my side in a mud hole. So there's all sorts of ways in which you may have to shoot that bow. But in every case, there are certain principles that you need to follow. And if you learn those principles, then usually everything else will take care of itself. If you will learn the will of God and walk in it, then you've solved, you've solved most of life's problems. Not that there won't be problems, but you'll have the solution. You'll be living the solution. Walk in the center of God's will. And never remember, I always say this, Walking in the will of God is like walking on the edge of a razor blade. It's really narrow. Or it's like walking on a very narrow path that on each side, there's a cliff that falls a thousand feet. You can go this way and fall off and you can go the other way and fall off. One extreme or the other. And you don't want extremes. You want to be in the very center of God's will. Wise, calm, tranquil steadfast, persevering, not complex, simple. One day I hope someone asks you, and what does your life consist? And you say, Jesus Christ crucified and raised from the dead. What is your standard of life? How do you walk circumspectly according to what God has commanded? Well, I hope that has been very helpful to you. And Lord willing, we'll see you in the next study. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com 